You're not picking that up. Um, um, yeah, I think we're ready to go. Is there a countdown? There's a countdown. Hello and welcome back to Cast. This is episode three, I believe. Yeah. Although technically the fourth Ter- one you te- might yeah. have seen, but yeah. we're assured that having an episode zero makes a lot of sense. So, welcome to episode three. Today we're having a really interesting conversation, something that we're really passionate about, um, and that is around the topic of accessibility in specialty coffee. Um, I've got a, a note down here which just simply says coffee is a minefield. Mm. And I think for a lot of people, ourselves included, it's some way down the, uh, the path of learning coffee. It has been a minefield for us. It can yeah. be quite a, an intense environment when you're not fully aware of all of the, the information required to be a part of it, if that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's... Uh, another note. We've actually got notes again this week. It's fantastic. We're just name dropping the notes. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's uh, another one of those things um, like wine or beer, where some people know more than other people. Some people like to show you that they know more than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big thing for me when I joined you, and we talk about this a lot, is I just I like accessibility for all. I know you like that as well. It should never be the case where someone feels they are unwelcome yeah. in an environment because they don't know enough about something. Um, so I think that's been a, quite a big part of what we've tried to do over the last 12 months is make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. So, Do you know an interesting thing is, and, and this is something I've kind of said to staff in the past, and it's all about the culture that we're all, almost supporting a coffee culture in Scotland or in the UK and in us trying to educate customers about how they should drink their coffee and in some cases those people might have been drinking coffee for 50 60 years yeah. and it's like what do you know about yeah. what I like or what do you know it, it can be quite entitled in a sense that um, we're, we're making observations based sometimes upon how they look or uh, their age or you know various other aspects yeah um, on on how how we think they might enjoy their coffee or and and that's gone quite deep but yeah I I think it's it's funny that um we can as an industry and I think largely what we'll talk about is that we've made massive inroads away from this but certainly from my experience coming in 10 years ago and maybe further beyond that um it was quite an unhospitable environment yeah um and yeah, just I found that that notion quite interesting of like uh, trying to educate someone who has been getting up every morning and making their own coffee for sixty years. Yeah, and suddenly you're like, "Well, I've been working in specialty coffee for two years. This is actually what you should be tasting." But obviously, I think that's part of the flip side as well. Is that when you're growing up, and say maybe your family are drinking Nescafe sort of instant coffee, coffee is a bitter, you know, weird tasting thing. So I think most people's first experience of coffee is bitter you know you chuck some milk in it It, it's not that tasty a drink especially as a you know say you're a teenager getting into coffee and then you're starting maybe to drink it more as you get into your early 20s into uni all that kind of stuff and I think that's where speciality can taste amazing um you know so getting really good single origin coffees really good blended coffees can taste amazing and it's almost you know like you are saying there some people have been used to drinking coffee for 60 years and think that is what it has to taste like and it's you know again we're not saying it's not that it tastes like that it's just that 
there's many other ways it can taste. Like someone who says, who's into their wine, you know, not all wine tastes the same. I used to hate wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm really, really getting into red wine. Um, and I don't know why all of a sudden I'm really getting into red wine, but I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. So yeah, it's, it's very similar. You hear people saying, like, I like white wine, but I don't really like red. Yeah. And it's like, I, I would imagine to a wine expert in the same way that I would... Uh, I'm not trying to coin myself <laughs> oh, as a coffee, uh, but um, you know, I'd be like, well, you can't just say you don't like uh, natural coffees because there's a huge, there's a yeah, whole yeah. world of natural coffee. Yeah. In the same way that red wine is very complex. But, but I think going back to the, the the point about, it's like people are allowed to to know what they like, yes. and they don't need to be challenged on it all the time. I think that was exactly what I was going to say. You can like what you like, mm-hmm. and I think so. Like what you like, and don't be made to feel stupid. But I guess what we're here to hopefully try and do in this episode is probably provide a bit more clarity. And then part of what we've gone down the route of, and we'll talk about it on our packaging, is providing that clarity so people can then be like, oh, I actually like this type of, maybe not necessarily coffee, maybe it's not a process being washed or Mm -hmm. different types of processes, but they can hopefully start from the colour coding that we use start to recognize what coffees they like. Yeah. And it's all about then creating a comfortable environment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that when they come back into the shop, so they go back onto our online store, also available online, they yeah. can uh, feel comfortable and that they liked a red the last time. Yeah. You might want to get a red again the next time, which, yeah. is, which, which is, is... So I guess we've got here, so my entry into it, and I can probably talk you know, a bit about my dad, who I've kind of, in the last 12 months, got into coffee more. And I can find, you know, every time I take him a coffee, he likes the red ones that I take him. Um, so he has no clue what the coffee is, no clue whether it's washed. All he knows is that the ones, he doesn't even know the reds. I just take him reds and then he's like, oh yeah, those are the ones I like. If I take him a purple, does not like a purple. Too funky. Too funky. Too funky. So, um, but from my own personal experience, uh it took me ages to get into coffee. So I was about 26 before I started drinking coffee. Um, and then it was really that Starbucks golden roast. Is it the golden roast? Golden blend, I don't know, because they've got, like, the blonde. Yeah, the blonde, that was it. It's oh, blonde it's roast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. their, that's their like, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll upsell you for 20p. Oh, money. <laughs> that's how you get me. <laughs> Make something 20p more expensive and I'm buying it. Um, so, yeah, I started live on the, what was it? Blonde, blonde roast. Blonde roast. Um, I think the other one's called like the Pike place. I don't know why I know so much about Starbucks. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, do you know what, even worse? Pike before place. that, I used to get, not even worse, I used to get, um, I loved a vanilla latte. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, everyone uh, yeah, like know. what you like. And I, I do like what I like. I think that's actually fun. But I think I it's because I love sugary stuff. Yeah. So, no, yeah. But, but I guess at the end, end of the day, it's, uh, you know, we talk, Jack is kind of our... Um, our passion project for getting him into coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you you can't expect someone to go from not liking coffee to liking, you know, sp- special release coffees by Cameron, which yeah. tend to be the most complex or the most kind of exotic tasting. Yeah, the likes of a vanilla syrup can be the the kind of driver to get people along the path towards that. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, it's it's all a part of the process. Well, definitely, because I graduated from that quite quickly, I would say, to then uh, preferring black coffee. So quite quickly after that, I got into, yeah, like an Americano. And then 
I was like, ooh, what's a long black? Again, long black sounds fancier than Americano, doesn't it? Um, so I started getting into long blacks. But, and then I think... Less long yeah, than an Americano. Yes. yeah, Generally speaking. Very confusing name. Um, but Just like a flat white is... Is smaller. Is actually not flat. That's not. It's you know, cup, you're cup confusing shaped. me. You're confusing everyone else with all the names. We could get into the names. We could probably do another podcast on the names. But I think, again, there's a conception that having black coffee is better than having white coffee as well. More elite. Yes. Yeah. So I think that was probably the kind of impression that I was getting is that uh, I should be drinking black coffee. Um, and I think now I've kind of gone full circle a little bit and I'm back into, you know, loving an oat flat white. But uh, yeah, I do think there is that obvious progression where you need milk and maybe sugar at the start. Um, it's quite hard to go straight in you know, on the black coffee, and then gradually I progressed onto that. But again, I'm saying this is Starbucks, and then there was, this is when I was in Hong Kong, there was a cafe that opened up near our office, mm-hmm. uh, which was specialty and single origin, and started getting long blacks from there. Cannot remember, but they have... Because um, they've got a good scene over there. Yeah, really good. Really, really good. So... There's a place called gr- The Cupping Room. Are you talking about Hong Kong? Yeah, yeah. it could have been that. The Cupping Room, he was like a five-star barista champion or something. Mm. I went, it was great. Yeah, so... And then Arabica. Is that... Arabica. Is it Arabica? Yeah, it's like per the percentage. Yeah. But they've, yeah, they've, they've moved over to and east coast of New York. We're like... East coast of America, sorry. Nine grams as well, I want to say something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that that's what kind of got me into it, was that place opening up. And then I was like, oh, I'll maybe go get a long black from there. And I was like, oh, that tastes really, really good. So... You know, mine's a bit different. I, again, I don't really... You obviously worked in a cafe. And previous episode, we obviously talked about you not getting coffee right at the start mm-hmm. of opening that cafe. Yeah, So sure. I do think it's not something you learn overnight. Um, but again, it's... A part of that is it because sometimes you can be made to feel a little bit uncomfortable when you first go into a specialty coffee shop. Yeah, like, for, yeah, for me, 100%. I think that... Uh, they're not always an environment where you want to put yourself out there by asking a question in fear of being shut down. But I, I think I, you know, insinuated earlier that I do think there's been a lot of progress on that front. I think that was nine, nine-ish, over nine years ago when I was yeah. having those experiences. Um, and that was the experience you had, you know, everywhere, like from London to the north of Scotland, if it was a specialty cafe, there was a, a level of um, credibility that went along with that that, generally speaking, made the people who worked there feel slightly yeah, elitist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, it's not like a diss on, because, you know, I'm sure there's many people who would argue that we were part of that camp, you know, in our first yeah. few years, people were probably felt uncomfortable coming in but i would argue that it's not necessarily um an intentional there's no motive for people to to come across non-accessible i think it's all about just uh, we as an example wouldn't have thought about okay how does us saying this or presenting our menu in this way make people feel and we're not psychologists we don't understand consumer behavior it's quite Mm. it's a challenge and you know we we've talked a length about uh, Trine and how yeah. you know you put a lot of thought into uh, even 
places where things are positioned within the shop to think about ha- consumer behavior. And yeah. and it's, you know, you do the same for a, an e-commerce website. You, do, you should do the same for a cafe. And I think um, it's something that doesn't always kind of get enough attention probably. Yeah. But uh, it's certainly something that's coming to the forefront of our minds, really partially through the exploration of trying to make the packaging improved, mm. which has kind of fed us into trying to make other aspects of the cafe environment much more hospitable and uh, friendly. Yeah, and I think it's it all comes, and you've written down the word lexicon here, which I think basically means the words that are used. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. kind of like the, the vocabulary that vocabulary. is used within okay. an industry, I guess. There you go. Did you, did you know that? Okay. Yeah. Um, There's also a drink, I think, isn't there? Is it? Oh, no, that's the Rubicon. That's Rubicon. <laughs> Lexapro. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah there's a complicated lexicon but I think coffee is one of those things where you know I'll use I'll reference wine again wine you can get a large or a small wine whereas coffee again the complexity is provided where you know Starbucks have three or four different sizes mm-hmm. we then have in our shop long black cortado you know there's lots of words used in coffee shops it's, and it's assumed you know what sizes they are exactly whereas if I'm in a wine bar, yeah, I'm getting a large glass of wine or a small glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you add in on top of that, you know, words that we discussed last week um, where we, we've obviously released the kind of tongue-in-cheek merch to do with niche coffee processes. But, you know, you start talking about carbonic maceration, you even start talking about naturals and washed, you know, it is there's a lot of words that go into your cup of coffee. Yeah, huge amount. And I think... A lot, of the, a lot of it is, as well is about trying to describe like a taste journey or like mm. a, a flavor profile that someone can expect. And I think often that is somewhere that, that misses the mark. So so already you've got this um, varietal, which you maybe don't understand. Like if yeah. we're using the wine example, I, you know, you would think there would be quite a lot of crossover. And so carbonic maceration is one where there is crossover yeah. between two. But like, I, I don't have a, a clue what to expect personally from like a Pinot Grigio next to a Chardonnay. Like yeah. I think Chardonnay is maybe drier. I've no, I, yeah. I should, I feel like that's maybe, but I feel like me admitting that yeah. makes me look a bit stupid. Mm. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is that yeah. people probably will just, um, like if you say to someone, oh, do you want um, this carbonic macerated Colombian with yeah. flavor notes of panela sugar? Or would you like the Yergeshef Ethiopian fully washed it's got more kind of peach notes you can see their face kind of uh go for the second one yeah and that's just because that was the last one they heard yeah but and and all that does is does a disservice to our uh, customer service we're not really giving them the information that they need to actually make a decision which would impact their experience but you know it's a disservice end to end isn't it so like the farmer who's put a lot of effort into uh growing the coffee to you know, the importer maybe has gone to sourcing it. And I think this is where people maybe don't quite understand it. If you are nichely involved in an industry, the end consumer, the customer, is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So if you cannot explain your product properly and quickly to a customer, then, you know, it's what's the point, essentially? It's, yeah. you know, and I think that's where we, we have to be turning what the farmer's done and best representing that as clearly as possible for yeah. a customer. I was going to say, go down a massive tangent, saying also the customer is the most important part, but the argument would be part of specialty's job is to 
also make sure the producer, as you said, is is high up on that list of the most important things. Yeah. And I think part of the 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 problem with how we've got to this point with overly complicated is uh, overcomplicating things is that we want to try and do the best service to the producers we can. So we yeah. feel like, oh well, if he's done this, we should try and explain that to the customers. And so I guess the argument on our side certainly is not that this information shouldn't be available, but it's more, can we put a spin on it which makes it more understood by by the uh, cu- customer? Because if they feel, if they switch off as soon as you say carbonic maceration, then they don't get to the point that explains that, you know, Francisco Morales gives money to, you know, the local children for the coffee that's sold. For sure. It's like they're, they're already lost. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like some of that information probably adds a more human element to the the uh, the coffee than saying carbonic maceration, which seems quite cold and and uh, like sounds like something's done in a lab, which in yeah. some cases it might. But so we we did an experiment ages ago, I think, when we were trying to decide what information should be mm. part of our uh, our lexicon or our, um, yeah, new our pack- packaging, yeah. and, and we looked at the back of seven or eight bottles of wine, and and the simple question was like, which one would we want to drink the most? Yeah. Generally speaking, it was the ones which had less information yeah. because we're making a quick decision in a wine shop. We don't want to be checking the story of every producer. So it was like, how can you get information over quite succinctly but the important stuff? And for a, lar- a large part, it was based on flavor. It's like that is the thing which is most accessible for the most amount of people. It's like, does this taste dry or does it... Not taste wet, but yeah. <laughs> does this taste dry, or you know, does it um, have fruit forward profile, or um, does yeah. it taste like cherry, or does it taste like nutmeg? And like th- those things start to tell a story about the coffee, the, the wine, or the coffee that you might want to buy. Yeah, um, we keep using wine as an example, but I think it is a very good example, and I think something wine industry does quite poorly. I, you know, we actually we. Yeah, that wine bottle thing was a very good exercise. Like sometimes we do smart things, which um, I, I think our generation as well, not as inclined maybe to know your Pinot Noirs and all that kind of stuff that maybe previously people did know. I don't know why I've made a massive generalization there. Maybe people do know that stuff. But quite often what really gets us going is packaging. So I think when we did that, like you're saying, it was to do with tasting notes and things like that, but well, often the coolest packaging wins, and you know we've so, we've discussed that as well. So I I was in the shop the other day and I picked up a bottle, and I was like, everything about this is something I would like, but I don't like the look of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and I but I did buy it, but it, uh, recently, like yeah. I genuinely was like, I like blends from South Africa. Mm. This was from Stellenbosch. I was like, I've been there. I've, there's a lot that like draw, draws me to it, yeah. but it was literally like the, the color of the glass was not not my vibe it was pretty uncool are we gonna start a wine podcast maybe <laughs> but and like it's funny isn't it it yeah. does there's so many and this goes back to consumer behaviors like there are so many aspects which yeah that make you want to buy something before you've even read the back of a bottle I, I think again uh just to reference another another industry but the beer cans are very similar um you know i think the look and feel of a beer can now is very very important bacon beer oh bacon. i thought you were saying bacon in a jamaican accent <laughs> Uh, no, so like a, a cool beer can. Yeah, um, <laughs> can't not hear it now. So <laughs> it's neither can I. I do see what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah good looking 
And there's so many of them out now, and I do I do feel that's probably half the battle a lot of beer producers are going for is trying to make their cans look the coolest. And they've but they've got to a point in their industry where um, it's it's okay to to have a ridiculous funny print on the, on a can that looks cool and people can buy it. Yeah, because I don't know. They're, they're, I guess yeah. So that would be because the hops and these things are being res- being grown in a in a country which rewards fair fair pay and all these kind of things. So yeah. They maybe don't feel there's as much of a duty to highlight the producer of these raw materials as much as possible. It's usually more focused on the brewery yeah. that made it than it is whether it's citra hops or, or whatever, mosaic hops or, or whatever else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I generally speaking... But, I, but there's, there are things which I, that I know I like and, and I guess those are what make them more accessible for me. Like... I like it six point five percent ish, and I like it to not be as in vault ABV wise. Yeah, <laughs> I like it to f- to feel it. <laughs> not on a session, obviously. No, I'm a three point five percent kind of guy, but I like. Come and session. join me in the big leagues when you get a yeah. chance. Oh. <laughs> this is that's probably broken up a massive tangent. Yeah, it has. anyway, I am, anyway to get back to your notes, you've written Dak Milky Cake. Okay, yeah. Yeah, as a as a good example of, in in my eyes, a, a coffee roaster who is going down a route, which is kind of different to the route that, in the back of my head, I always felt was like the rules of specialty. Yeah, it's like you have to always just call it by the the farmer name. Mm. Like when we've done it in the past, we've called a coffee escape, or we've called a coffee, uh, you know, not your nice. There's always been a pang of slight guilt in me that that's doing the producer a disservice yeah. and it's maybe you know not advocating highly enough for the work that's been done yeah but at the end of the day you're paying the producer for fairly for the, the coffee and your job is then to go out there and sell it yeah so that you can buy more um i think they do a great job of of using interesting flavor descriptor names that are super accessible like milky cake gives me a really clear vision of what it might taste like mm. um they've got Watermelon sugar is another good example. Of, um, it's not a DAC fanboy episode, but yeah. I think that is a different a detachment from the the normally trodden route of specialty that I l- actually love. But we can get into that as well. And I think we talked about this previously on another kind of video last year that using a name like watermelon sugar is a marketing tactic as well. So sure. as much as it's trying to provide a note around the taste of the coffee, it is also there because it's a famous song so it's like is it <laughs> just big, big grammy just won the grammys Whoa. we love we're we in love. a hashtag harry styles we do video. love about harry styles we have mentioned his name if he could be on the pod that'd be great <laughs> um so yeah i think we will chat about that later probably around how we've tried to move slightly more down that route as well that you need to provide tasting notes which are actually tasty um yeah and marketable as well yeah, there's no point writing wool i, don't, I was trying to think yeah. of what like but we've had like chats where we've had to be transparent with each other to be like this could either taste like this thing or that thing yeah but we probably want to encourage ourselves to think more along that line because yeah that sounds more interesting to to a customer which might be seen as a slightly disingenuous but well, at the end of the day it is a product we're trying to sell. Well, we're talking, I guess, about accessibility here. And that's another 
part of that is the tasting notes in the sense that not everyone's going to taste the same as a tasting note. So I think if me, you, Matt, Hannah, Kay, on the cupping table mm-hmm. in the roastery, we can all get, you know, slightly different, slightly different tasting notes. You shouldn't be million miles apart, but you definitely will get different yeah, notes, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think there's a pressure always when you put stuff down. That if people don't feel the same way, they feel s- stupid, I think. I think that's yeah. quite often when you're standing around a cupping table, for example, you can feel a bit stupid because you're like, I don't, I'm not tasting. 100%. Well, I can't remember the flowers you guys always say. What was it? Jasmine. Ja- no, there's another flower. Farmavirus. Fl- another I flower. Is that flower? I don't even know what a jasmine tastes like. But um, yeah. No. So. I completely agree. Yeah. So again, it's part of that accessibility hibiscus. thing. I think we, hibiscus, that's it. I'm like, what does hibiscus taste? Um, part of the accessibility thing again, you need to provide tasting notes that people are like, Oh, I know what that tastes like. Uh, that, yeah, I hundred percent. It's been a driver, I think, mm. for us for a couple of years now. Whereas, yeah. yeah, it is. Let's try and think of things which uh, there's a wider topic beyond this, but try and think about things which people actually can relate to. So they're, yeah, you because know, at the end of the day, you're trying to make them decide between one coffee and another coffee. Yeah, and if there's one coffee that's like chocolate and another coffee which is hibiscus. Like, some people will be drawn towards hibiscus, but the majority of people won't have a clue what that tastes like. <laughs> and if you're spending, you know, coffee prices are going up. Yeah. If you're going to be spending £15 in a box of coffee, yeah. you don't you want to go with a safe bet yeah. if you're unsure. So You don't know if the hibiscus one's maybe a bath bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we should maybe, you know, that we could do it. We should have done a test. We could do a test. We've done, I've, yeah. I've secretly done bits and pieces in, in my head or I've been like, in my head, let's put chocolate on this one and see if that, sells more than this one but generally speaking that does so i think um timing wise we're probably i think today's episode probably a bit quicker but we're into our crisp Crisp break break, because i think after this we're going to talk about um obviously how we do our uh boxes and i guess the tasting notes and all that stuff an interesting one as well around blends versus single origin from that point of view because again what's the We'll talk about why maybe you do a blend. You've talked about this before on a video, maybe two or three years ago. I had more hair in that video. <laughs> I think that must have been just shorter, as COVID was coming out. Yeah, it must have been. must have been. But uh, it's a very... Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't sure. Yeah, as in like... Yeah. yeah. Robbie well, needs talk a about the elf in the room. I'm going bald, clearly, from that last video. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going bald. I'm going bald. He's not going bald. Yes. Poor guy. Everyone just write something nice about Robbie's hair in the I'm comments. Gonna you just need a haircut. You're going to touch me up in After Effects. Spray my hair. No. Instagram yeah. stories, Paul is Robbie going bald. Yeah, I'm maybe going. <sighs> like we're all going. We're crisps. all getting. I'm going to too many crisps. crisps. Oh. Um, so today's quite a plain set. Oh, have you got them ready? Yeah. Well, I just thought um, these are. They're they're plain. Yeah. If yeah no, yeah. I, think, I think they're quite spicy. Um, Jack, can we have some more coffee. Uh, yeah, it's under here. Oh, shit. So, nice. you can do that while I, we've got Chris Because these are going to coat to my mouth. Oh, I'm doing good. We're um, halfway. We've done the bulk of the chat already. We've got a rugby podcast to film still. If you haven't already heard, we do a bonus episode every week um, during the Six Nations where we um, pro- preview and talk about the last rugby podcast. So, sorry that I was interrupting your... Your uh, presentation of our crisps. Yeah. Which are? So it's Cheetos, Twisted, Flaming Hot. They're not that hot, to be fair, but <laughs> this is we do have a problem here that I really like all the crisps. 
<laughs> like, we need to get me a pair of some crisps we don't like. I think Jack's obviously recommended Doritos, and I can tell you now, I really do not like Doritos. So. These are the most <laughs> tooth-coating things ever. They are quite tooth-coating. Lucky I've been for my dentist appointment. Mm. Oh, got a couple of lids on there. Not that spicy. They're quite sweet. They are quite sweet. Yeah. Which is maybe why I like them again. So I would give them... Uh-oh. Eight and a half out of ten. Well, <laughs> yeah, I like them a lot. Oh, that's good. I, I probably... Very not, Moorish. Not as high as that because they feel cheap. They are. They obviously say 39p on the bag, so they are cheap. So have you been led by the packaging there? The packaging's garbage. If I said three pounds, you'd be like, ooh, these are... Good. No, because you know they are like... Um, they even twist them. You know, so obviously you're absolutely destroying the Mackies last week, but... No! <laughs> I bumped into James Taylor oh. as well down on uh, Absolutely destroying the Mackies. Me old mucker, what was he saying? Was he saying, <laughs> how's Robbie? No, he wasn't. Those chips, crisps. God, why did I just call them chips? Those crisps are like slices of potato. You can clearly see that they are sliced potato. These... Very appetising. ...are corn maize. There's not a bit of potato in these. So... That's quite funny. It's just a powder that's then shaped into a twizzle. It's getting quite a lot of value out of this podcast, if you're still listening. What? It's, it's, everything is cheap. Hot flavor, flaming hot flavor, sugar flavorings. Sugar's actually sugar. Yeah. So, what? How much? Being into my nutrition, I should check this. You uh, probably shouldn't eat as many of these as we do. What? Eat. Oh no, I was looking at per hundred grams. Yeah, these are. Uh, uh, yeah, they're about the same as a big pack of prawn cocktail McCoys mm. in terms of carbs. So you're if saying you're, that if you're interested. they're maybe not healthy? No. Okay. Um, but what is healthy? Caramel coffee is Grand coffee. Slam blend. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, I'm, I'm Get hiding. it while it's hot. I'm going to hide these crisps down here. Oh! Get out of here. Getting some absolute... We've done so well to avoid your stinking dad jokes for a couple of weeks now. That's a, that's a good one. That's one for the reels. It is. Um, right. So, back um, do you think give them a mark out of ten quickly, just for crispy creed? Uh, less than it half. I would say seven creeds out of ten. Middle of the road. No, probably less than that. I don't like the like. You can still they're in my they're in my teeth. We need to get like a an entering and a and a leaving crisp break motto motif. You think music? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, we're back and we're now. <laughs> Where were we? I had one thing to talk about with tasting notes. Um, well, we're kind of getting on okay. to our own yep. packaging okay. and stuff, so That's fine. you can talk about it in there. Well, so, well, a quick one just to, to carry on from the tasting notes before. Yeah. What I was going to say was, um, when we were talking about tasting notes that people understand, the other thing is that every culture and location-based, they have different... Yeah. Um, something that Adrian taught us. In Australia, like a pear tastes different to a pear here, and a banana and stuff, because... The closer they are to where they're growing, the more fresh they are, obviously. A banana takes a while to get to the UK. Was it not grown in Paisley? So. I do get that, but surely not that different. <laughs> well, something to consider. Yeah, that's kind of blown and, my mind. And we, we've put on the, on um, uh, bags quite a lot, something like Skittles. Yeah. And they're not necessarily widely available. So when, before I started working with Heron Gorm, I, that's how you kind of sold me on coffee so i would go in and buy like a bag of retail coffee and the the ones i would always get were the ones that had like skittles or 
fruit pastels on it. You put that on a bag and I'm buying it. And yeah, but I don't think it tastes like Come that. the fringe, American tourist walks in. Like, What's a fruit pastel? Maybe I shouldn't have done that accent. What is a fruit what, would, what do they call a fruit pastel in America? I don't know what they I call it. Well, they, they obviously have Skittles, don't they? So we'll just put Skittles on everything. Yeah, they do. Um, but they but have like birthday cake flavor Skittles and stuff like that. Yeah, they have lots of flavors. Do you know the coffee that I bought, which I think first had Skittles on it, was... Palo Blanco. Sweet Valley. <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we might have used it a couple of times then. Yeah. Well, Sweet Valley is very much... Uh, sweetie tasting. Yeah, can, candy. Candy, Oof, yeah, yeah. Very, very. Which... Digressing slightly, yeah. but very much that tasting note for me, I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to be into. And I really, really like Sweet Valley. So it worked. Yeah. But now I feel like sometimes we get quite sick of those super highly sweet candy coffees. Yes. They are quite, they're not, it's not novelty, but you know, it isn't something necessarily that so you want to drink every day. We'll probably get into that as part of this, what we're going to discuss just now, because yeah, if you're drinking, Coffee every day, yeah. You're not going to want a funky or you know a very very special type coffee. So, yep. um, yeah, where are we going to jump in here? I think probably start with the the blend bit. You know, essentially, yep. why do you, Cairngorm, why does it serve a blend in I think uh, Bonnie and Wild and Melville Street cafes? Mm-hmm. Why do we sell, sell a blend there? Well, we we also have. I think we still are selling a blend in Frederick Street, which is the summer banger, even though it's winter's been and gone. Yeah. We obviously freeze our coffee. Yeah. N- uh, another podcast for another time. But um, the interesting thing about that is Guilty Pleasures is very much our, like, uh, it's like the anchor of our offer list. It's the one which is uh, something we put a lot of foc- focus on, a lot of um, effort into sourcing well. And part of that is because... Um, Blends have a, a fairly have historically had quite a bad name in coffee mm-hmm. because they were how you might absorb lesser quality coffees or past crop coffees, etc. Cheaper coffees in general. Um, and I use the example of Frederick Street having one because the Summer Banger was a kind of bit of a social experiment of sorts where we took our most two most expensive coffees and mm-hmm. put them together to make a summer blend, yeah. the Summer Banger, and it tasted fantastic. Yeah, it tastes really good. Um, but I still think there is this stigma about blends in, in specialty coffee, which is, uh, I I think the more the world gets messed up and things become more expensive and it becomes harder to run a business because prices explode, yeah. um, people understand the place of a blend more. It's like you do need something stable that's like an anchor point in your shop, which yeah. um, it doesn't fluctuate massively in price, um, doesn't fluctuate massively in in flavor profile so that your customers feel comfortable and don't um, don't find it inaccessible because they came in one week and the next week's a completely different coffee and they're like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Um, so long story short, um, we, we did a blend for a few reasons. One was a test for ourselves to see if we could make a blend that we loved, yeah. which um, I think we've managed to do. We've we 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 wholeheartedly stand behind the quality of our guilty pleasure yeah. and the summer banger and and any other blend that we do you know we've done the lump of coal over christmas you know um and single origin still has a massive part to play in our in our um in our coffee offer list and you know our journey as a business like it is very important to me um but it's it's a 
it's a very important tool. So um, and so why are you like why do we do it then? Because I think it's uh again it probably that comes was quite qu- a politician's answer I gave there. I didn't yeah, it was. Say anything, did I? It was just Liz Truss over here. Um, why do we do it? And I it comes down to almost tasting notes, doesn't it? Yeah, and accessibility. So there's a couple of reasons. One is so we can offer our customers and our wholesale customers a coffee which doesn't deviate massively in quality or flavor expression, I guess, over the course of a whole year, um, but still allows us to act seasonally. So, um, you know, when a coffee is then out of season, the next single origin might taste quite different. And what we're trying to achieve, and don't get me wrong, we don't get it right all the time, but our, our goal is to try and get a flavor profile of a blend, which when one coffee is out of season, and therefore the crop is not as good as it, as it was six months ago. Yeah. And we have another coffee that comes through and fits into that blend, which then has the same flavor profile and, and has the same effect price-wise and flavor-wise so that our wholesale customers can serve their customers and we can serve our customers in the shop something that they are familiar with, yeah, so even though it's different coffee. But less variation, basically. So they yeah. know if I come into Melville on the 1st of April... I'm going to get the same coffee as I did on the 1st of January. It'll roughly taste the same. Yeah, well, yes. It it could be a completely different coffee, but we want it to be in the same ballpark. Yeah, well, so the blend don't could feel be... Like, oh, I thought I liked this components place. could be different, I guess is what you're saying. The two coffees yeah. blended together, or three coffees. Yeah. I think important to note as well, though, that 50%, probably at least, maybe more of the coffees we sell come with milk. So, mm-hmm. you know, people are ordering lattes, flat whites. Flat white by far mm-hmm. more popular, which, again, another podcast... It's, yeah. I think, 40% of the coffees we sell are probably flat whites versus a latte. But a lot of what you're trying to do with a blend is pair something to go well with milk as well. Yeah. And uh, th- there's a topic around that in terms of oat milk being quite a different ingredient to, um, yeah. you know, it, it definitely adds uh, a little bit more sourness. sourness. Yeah. I was going to say acidity. But yeah, it is. And I think... Um, you know, maybe we do need to visit at some point having an oat oh. blend and a, you know, oh. really go down the accessibility route. But, I like the sound of that. Um, but I think, uh, certainly that's right. I think we identify that to 80% of our customers coming in, coffee um, was a tool for getting through the day. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily uh, a thing that they felt needed to be communicated uh, in depth on on. Their every visit, yeah. Um, to some people, it it does matter a lot. Yeah. It, to me, it does. But um, I understand the importance of people just coming in and getting coffee. It's yeah. not, you know. And I think uh, going back to the start, it's that was something we were noticing was uh, the entitlement thing comes down to people don't always need to know that their coffee. Um, if we can name drop, Jim Hamilton always used to say a classic thing, which was like. You know that it was like squeezed out by gorillas in the, the Niagara Falls jungle and stuff like that. And like I got what he was exactly his point was, you know, um, there's a there's a huge amount of storytelling which is is uh, laboured and probably unnecessary. Yeah. Um, when actually, the majority of people just want a coffee that tastes good. Um, and so, what are the again? We can quickly touch on this before I guess moving on to the single origins. But what are the tasting notes like for our guilty pleasures, for example, you're wanting to hit? So we, we go um, 
I would say suitably vague, yeah, so that we can, you know, source throughout the year because we do want the coffees to be seasonal. We do want them to be fresh and delicious. So we need to keep that window wide enough so that we can go from having a Brazil and a Colombian to a Guatemalan and a Costa Rican without it being like, oh, well, this now tastes... Completely so different. So to answer your question, we, we write chocolate, yeah. um, caramel, and stewed fruits, yeah. which I think gives a kind of character for, you know, it's... Trying that <laughs> Is that like a... It's like a green slash red in terms of our colours. We're trying to go for a, what's the... Chocolate bar that maybe has all those things in it, like a like a whisper gold, maybe or yeah. There's a thing with like raisins. I'm thinking like you know that Yorkie with like biscuit well, and raisin well, in it. Yeah, is that oat and raisin? No, don't know. But close, yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of what we're thinking. That kind of vibe, yeah. And we want that to be consistent throughout the year. And a lot of our wholesale customers want the same thing. And I think that's important to say that the demand for blends is big. You know, if you go into majority of not majority, but a lot of coffee shops will be serving a blend to try and make sure that your experience throughout the year is as consistent as possible. Mm-hmm. We mentioned them a lot at the start. Starbucks, Costa, all of these guys, they are serving blends. Yep. And essentially, that's probably why some of the bad name comes from. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, they'll be blending very cheap coffee together, essentially, yep. um, to create their blends. But yeah, potentially that's why it has got a bad name. Starbucks is something that we've not got in our notes to talk about, no. but on a different tangent, I think Starbucks had a really interesting approach to accessibility as a cafe environment, which mm. is, you know, they historically, and actually we can go on to another classy example, but for this one, Starbucks, they put in sofas, they encourage people yeah. to come in, spend time on laptops, and, yeah. you know, we've got many opinions on that as a as a mechanism for making money in a cafe environment yeah but uh there's no doubt that what they were doing was trying to create a place that people felt super comfortable and then it almost opened the doors to allow them to start educating them on coffee to be fair back when they started they knew a lot about coffee they just have fallen into that trap where you know they haven't had to diversify their you know they have started doing the, the starbucks reserves to try and get more niche into the more specialty mm. market yeah but they've got such a, a monopoly over the the coffee general market that of you know, course you'd be a, you'd be an idiot to think starbucks should, starbucks is shy yeah but because i think that's part of the thing as well they can afford to pay someone who knows way more than i do oh, about coffee yeah so there's a reason they're not doing it you know no. and i think that's you can't talk about accessibility within coffee without talking about starbucks caffeineer all these they sell Way, way more coffee than all the specialty cafes yeah. in the UK put together. So, do you remember Bean Scene? I do remember Bean Scene. I, um, they on Nicholson Street area. Yeah, they had them. They had, a, they had one in St Andrews. Uh, yeah. Quite a few. And I used to go to one in Glasgow somewhere. But um, they were an interesting one. They went down that whole model of Starbucks. But I think it was when the bubble was starting to third wave. Burst, was coming. But third wave was coming through. Interesting. Like Starbucks have managed to get away with you know selling an eth- like selling a kind of story of coffee as opposed to being super transparent and having let's face it incredible coffee and I, I always say like Starbucks you can completely understand the quality why it's pitched that way because if they wanted to buy the coffee we're buying yeah it would service one of their shops in Edinburgh for a week the whole farmer's whole harvest. It's like, you know, we're talking the scale that they need to buy coffee at. Yeah. Small micro lots cannot produce. 
So for them, what is deemed as a small micro lot is still inevitably a pretty large farm in Brazil or, or Colombia. I'm like a serious can of worms potentially over here, but we again not discuss that on here. But it's well, along the lines we're of in support of them. I am <laughs> for sure, but that like I obviously come from you know my dream background, sustainability being quite a huge ethos, and obviously it's something we talk about a lot. Specialty coffee is um, more not more sustainable. I I feel bad using that word, but if you were to look into the Rainforest Alliance. For example, yeah. it's basically a self-certification tick box exercise <laughs> that goes on the back of potentially certain coffee producers' bags. Uh, it's a sham. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a sham, and I don't have a I don't have a good lawyer, so uh, I'm not willing to fight anyone on this. No. But I do think, yeah, we've opened an absolute can of worms here around the the impact of. Uh, needing to buy coffee and the volumes that they need to mm-hmm. buy it um, at the price that they need to buy it at. There is impacts associated with that. I'll yeah. end it with that. Yep. Um, well, let's move on then. The biggest rainforest in the world, which loses basically a million acres of trees every millisecond. But um, Roselle. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing. Niche Highlands joke. I, well, I didn't. Sorry, this is another uh, quick point around. So at the weekend, I went to. Because I was at the airport. So. Cafe Nero uh, yeah. wanted a long black. Couldn't get a long black. I did find that quite bizarre. That um, well, they if you asked for it, they would have done it, it. Would they? It was just I got a very large black coffee, and I just find that a bit weird. Um, mm. yeah. But again, that's we're getting into a whole tangent there. I want you to start showing off our packaging. No, well, let's go on to that. Uh, we're probably we're going. How many minutes? Coming a big chunky one again. Okay, okay cool. we'll, we'll do like five minutes of packaging. Basically, the packaging. So, obviously, this was kind of one of the main things we were going to chat about. We've left ourselves two minutes. To yeah, well, you know what I find hilarious about this? is oh. that this, The tasting note on this coffee is... <laughs> I didn't even look at it. Uh, it's that. not great. It doesn't really we've, pack. We've, we've just, we must have thrown this one out in a hurry. We've just talked about how much we've really getting good tasting notes. Can we notes. cover this? Stay uh, up a bit. No, 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 no. This is quite funny. This shows you what a shambles well, it is. By well, we can. Okay, so let's first of all talk about um, colors. Yeah. Um, if you scroll back on our YouTube, uh, obviously can't do that if you're on a podcast. Um, but um, we do talk about the colors and what they all all mean. Yeah. Um, to cut a long story short, they all relate to a kind of flavor preference, I guess, of an av- of an average consumer. So yeah. Um, we we insinuate before the idea is that if you've bought a red coffee before, we buy seasonally in single origin coffees, so they might not always be available. So if this one is a Las Palomas, the one before was an, an the Andros from Honduras, one before that was El Plan, also in Honduras, but um they Planadas Planadas Colombia, they generally all have a kind of window of f- flavor. Uh, for us, that is usually sweet syrupy. Um, red fruits, so the likes of stewed strawberry or um, uh, syrupy plum and jam. <laughs> jam, like jam, jam is a good jam example. Like, yeah. you know, raspberry jam that yeah. would fall under red for us. Yeah. Um, whilst an orange, for example, veers more towards the kind of juicy fruits. Yeah. Which is uh, you know your classic Ethiopian washed 
We're talking um, citric, orangey, stone fruit kind of vibes. Yeah. A little bit more clean with more clarity. Pink grapefruit. Is Pink that grapefruit, yeah. yeah. More acidity. Yeah. Um, uh, going back a bit, if we go to green, we'd say that's more at the start of our range, uh, which is the classic kind of chocolatey. Um, so, so sweet. I hesitate to say full-bodied, but I might think that kind of explains a bit of... No, it's got it's got um generally speaking will taste better with milk than a a orange. I think a good example of that one at the moment, I think it was at the Agata we were tasting the other day, which was tasting very much like our sort of Reese's pieces. Yeah. <laughs> <Is that weird? laughs> yeah, peanut butter. Cup. The peanut butter cup yeah. basically is what it tastes like. Um which for some people, that plus milk is gonna be absolutely right up their street, for example. Yeah. So Green's probably better in milk than yep. some of these other ones. But and then, continue on, you've got the purple, which is, f- for most cases, a natural um, or a fermented coffee of some description, which tends to, we were saying before, quite funky. Yeah. Um, we usually have more kind of fermented notes of, you know, alcohol, or um, just generally be a little bit more, um, like some of the more kind of candy-ish, uh, you'll get like sweeter, more... Probably more complex, but boozy yeah, yeah. Um, flavors. Boozy, we use that quite a lot. Yeah, when we're um, talking about those, and that's comes in again. Um, we're not here to teach people about the uh, making of coffee, but the different processes obviously play into the way those coffees taste. So, yeah. like you were saying there, uh, a lot of our wilder coffees have slightly nicher processing methods. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily that niche. I'm not natural is not a niche process. It's different though from. Yeah. The most basic process, which is washed, I think. Isn't For sure. It? Um, and I, and I, like all of this is very much centered around Cairngorm. I'm aware that yeah. people might listen to this just with an interest in business or an interest in coffee. So we will get to more of a point around this. But I guess it's just all about rethinking, you know, what we think is important to customers in within specialty coffee. And, and this for us has certainly broken down um, some of the, not geekery around coffee, mm. but... Um, we're we're trying to use color in this instance as a way of, you know, uh, telling a story or giving a um, some information to the customer which isn't just words they might not understand. For sure, and um, you know, again, when we did this whole packaging redesign, we looked at hundreds of different packagings. We did a lot of marketing marketing research on packaging. Um, and I would say what we noticed, obviously, with coffee is there's a few key bits of information that people feel like they do need on the box. And, you know, that's playing to people who maybe have a lot of experience, but we're also wanting to play to people who don't have much experience. I think in that case, that's really where these colors come into it, Mm -hmm. where we think um, you don't need to know an origin, you don't need to know a process to know that you like a red coffee, essentially. We should should be... People like the transparent stories, don't they? Yeah. Uh, a, A trip inside our minds... That could be a good segment, um, but is it? our yeah. our initial was it still up there? Nah, our initial yeah it uh, is. So our, that's it says hero and fruité up there, but what our our initial intention was, and we th- we genuinely threw ideas around for so long when we were doing this, yeah. was we weren't going to put farm name. I don't even know if we were going to put origin on the front or process. We were literally going to have names which which were literally represented the category and all the trust was on us to make sure 
that yeah. we sourced coffees that, that yeah. suited uh, the category. And I think we had, you know, an example was Basecamp was going to be like the green the coffee. The green one, yeah. Wild, I think, was going to be the purple. Um, do you remember any other names? Well, Hero was going to be the kind of guilty pleasures. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a lot, we were trying to make kind of uh, Summit, maybe. We had like a bunch of yeah. outdoorsy Cairngorm type names. And we went pretty far down that route. And then what brought us back was this internal fight between heart and head where like head tells me that that would have made sense mm. to the to the majority of our consumers yeah but heart told me that I, we didn't want to disconnect ourselves from the specialty community yeah. who thinks it's important to uh, we and as one of them did think it was important to talk to a- advertise the, the process, to advertise the, the origin. and But we were trying to find ways of then, well, let's try and find happy mediums. So what were the most important things? Yeah, I can't remember. We we've, we have eliminated stuff like varietal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, elevation, all that kind of elevation. stuff. Elevation. Some, some bags had a lot of information. It doesn't have producer on the front, which was a contentious one for a bit. Yeah. Uh, it does on the rear of the cards. The cards kind of come out. So inside it does say the varietal and the producer. But we managed to prioritize what we thought was important, which was origin, process, and notes. And then the coffee obviously either highlights the farm name or the the mill name, the cooperative name, or the, uh, in some cases, the (laughs) if the mill is too complicated to pronounce, um, the the village that the coffee comes from. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, for us a lot of the conversations around this came down to accessibility. So from our point of view, we're going to keep going down this route. If the Cairngorm packaging does change, we want to keep in mind that people understand our colour coding based on the the flavour sort of profile that they want. I think the last thing that we've got on our list um, around here is talking about Frederick Street, which I think that's it's quite a cool segue around... Mm-hmm. That is a slightly different experience we're wanting to provide from a cafe sort of point of view, but uh, we we do go you know we focus quite hard on these different profiles at Frederick Street from a both espresso point of view, so getting your your coffee with milk or your long blacks, but also from a pour over and sort of filter point of view as well. So I, yeah, I'll let you just probably cover off that last kind of. We want Frederick Street to be very accessible to everyone yeah but also for them to be able to kind of nerd out on coffee if they want as well yeah but i think the whole purpose behind this was to try and create categories which customers could feel comfortable with but at no point does it actually describe what a red is or or any of these things so i think when we went to frederick street and obviously if you've followed our progress we've documented quite heavily what our you know the, the frederick street had a kind of purpose and it was almost like a place for us to create a concept of like our you know the kind of cafe that we would want to to visit ourselves Mm. the kind of there are a lot of concepts in there which are differing from our other places um so it was kind of going down the labby route however we wanted the coffee to take to be incredible to have a lot of options but we didn't want to have any less of an accessible kind of environment for for people to come into and a lot of the work here um need to give a shout out to Hannah who has uh, is the supervisor there. He's now transitioned to be our head our, our roaster. Yeah. So um uh he's been doing a phenomenal job of yeah. 
of uh, building a kind of place that does feel accessible and, and comforting and um, customers can feel cared for, that they're not just going to be laughed at for wondering what yeah. this and that is. And the kind of final menu project has been one that has finally managed to kind of give names to the colours. And it's funny because we went down the route, we were still calling the purple kind of wild because we're like, that kind of makes sense to us because mm. the coffees taste a bit wild, but they don't really, really tell tell much of a picture. So that's when we started just putting on our subheadings of, of the filter menu. So you have chocolatey, literally as simple as that, which we reference as our greens, but yeah. any coffee we buy in for other roasters, we will fill into one of yeah. these categories. Then we had the red, which w- is listed as syrupy fruits. Yeah. The orange is listed as um, juicy fruits, which people will contend like juicy is not really a term. Yeah. But f- for, for us, it tells a story of what the coffee is going to taste like quite well. Yeah. Um, and that, at the end of the day, is all that matters. Then we have funky, uh, just funky, sorry, uh, which is the purple. And then I think we just have exotic or maybe rare or well, special release. Much more, Which is yeah, kind of more complex. But yeah. we're trying to really almost go back to basics. It's like, I think there's there's something there's something quite humble about a rugby player, if we'll get on wrong, um, who is incredible at their craft, but doesn't like go out there and talk himself up. It's quietly quietly comfortable with their own abilities. And I think yeah. what we're, and we're not, again, we're not trying to brag, not in the slightest, because we are talking about other roasteries coffee here as well, but yeah. it's about ca- like dumbing, feeling confident enough to dumb down what we're doing and not feel like we're doing ourselves out of a job mm. because we, oh, but we're a specialty. So we should, you know, we, we need to know more. Uh, we need to use more complex words that make other people understand that this is why we're getting paid. Yeah, and I think we could probably almost wrap up on that kind of point that we are both absolutely delighted with how well Frederick Street is doing from that point of view. Like, I love seeing people going in there, sitting down with a filter menu, and maybe previously they might have found that a bit complex, but by providing those headings, uh, Hannah's done a great job to really kind of, I, I think, make that menu very, very clear. So quite quickly they can be like, I think I'll probably prefer whatever is in that red section, let's say, or what is in the juicy fruit section. And, you know, quite often we get people in there who get two. You know, they'll try the different two to see which one they prefer. Um, And the other thing that we do, obviously, there as well is on espresso, you can, you know, get a selection of three different coffees. And we kind of, you know, will give a brief sort of explanation on which one's which. But again, you could, you know, do lots with that, couldn't you? Not your socks off, you could get all three. Yeah, try three flat whites. So, but I think uh, pitching it in a way which doesn't feel overly not condescending, but not overly kind of um, like building up to be this elaborate thing that people don't understand. Well, I we think find more people engage with it and definitely. want to try. And that's all what of them. I was probably trying long windedly to get there. Is that it's quite exciting. So yeah. rather than we wanting people probably to feel a bit f- fearful or scared when they come in because there's three espresso options. I guess what we're wanting and trying to create an environment there is that you can be quite excited because there's three espresso options. Mm-hmm. It's quite oh, so. cool to be able to potentially try three completely different tasting coffees. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, huge circular thing is what we're talking about when it comes to accessibility. Sure. It's giving people the option to try something new and maybe like it. 
Um, and then if they don't like it, try something else and find what they like. And then once they know what they like, they can keep getting it. As long as they keep on buying from Cairngorm. <laughs> no. So they might. Maybe they don't like Cairngorm. Uh, one final question, because we do need to wrap this up. Uh, how do you think then, like moving on from here, we make the cafe environment, not just in our shops, but how does one make a, ca- a specialty coffee cafe environment more accessible? I think my answer probably not going to be what you want to hear but i this will be the headline we're moving towards a lower caffeine environment and i know we've talked about this before um there was also a newspaper article about it last week wasn't there and we didn't really want to touch on it too much um because it's an incredibly complicated area but i think we are moving towards an environment where people will want more lower caffeine options so right now if you go into a coffee shop you're probably only getting one decaf option um tell you somewhere where you can get three where frederick's yeah, yeah, i don't great. actually know if they have three but i think they've got three they frozen did for in a while, freezer which ask them if you want but, to try but i think that is where we are kind of heading so if you're in melville right now we have a really really good uh, single origin decaf it tastes absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. but if you want decaf you're getting one shot yeah. and i think uh we are going to move towards lower calf environments and i think we we're quite keen on that as well we we see yeah i can understand that yeah that's good hated it good hated that answer didn't he no i like that answer <laughs> oh, did you? Um, okay um, well there we go there we go well thank you so much for tuning in um, it's Thank been you. another long-winded one. Has been. Jack will be excited about editing. Yeah. Um, but if you have liked, for goodness sake, subscribe. Please tell your friends. You can't afford to keep on doing this unless you watch and comment and subscribe and what other things that you have to do. We can. Buy our do. coffee. We'll just keep doing it. Uh, but yeah, no, seriously, we will keep on doing it if no one watches. Um, but yeah, thank you, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday for more. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Very fast. Oh, okay.